We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. our testimony, everybody. We are bound for the promised land. As we gather this morning and prepare to, to join in worship, it's been a privilege for me to be preparing for where we're going to go in our next Bible study. And as we prepare for our, our fall study in Colossians, I've been reading the greetings of Paul in his letters, and they're just fantastic. As he, as he welcomes these, these churches he's about to write to, to, to exhort, to challenge, to grow, and so this morning, I'm going to read to you part of his salutation to the church at Galatia. This is from Galatians 1, 
3 to 5. So follow along. These are great words. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. It is this God that we, we sing to. It's this God that we, we pray to, to, to we hear from, and that we are here to worship this morning. To God be the glory. Hymn number four, stand to your feet, let's worship.
Good morning. It is such a blessing to see your smiling faces this morning. We're grateful that you are here. It is, it's a good day to be at First Baptist San Antonio. First, let me say these connect to your cards are in the pew back in front of you. If you're a guest this morning, we would love to have um, a record of a visit, um, love to know your name, and would love to get to know you a little bit. So if you would, uh, fill that out and place it in the offering plate uh, at the end of the service. Also, you see on the other, th- uh, other side, uh, a place for prayer requests and some of the things that we expect um, out of our church members. We hope you'll take the time to, to look at that. I also want to say this morning, uh, this last week, I have been reminded reminded multiple times that this place and this time together is a place of respite. This, this place and this time together is, is a time of, of care and encouragement that so many of us deal with painful, difficult things through the week. Some of us have even seen evil itself in the days that are behind us. And it's in this place that that we come together and we recognize the goodness of God. And we praise His name that He is holy and we have His hope and His protection in this place. So all that's swirling about us in the week behind us, in the week to come, the evil that we have seen and the evil that we will see, none of it, none of it compares to the healing hand of our God who loves us dearly and who's walking with us through the worst of it all. And so in this place, we we come together with our Lord and we sing praises of goodness because He loved us first and He is our good God. So let us pray together and we'll continue in worship. Lord, though this world is chaotic, You are the rock upon which we stand. Though we face danger, Lord, though we face swirling winds, we cling to you. And Lord, whatever pain, whatever distraction that we have known this week, we place in your hands this morning. Lord, we pray that you would take all of those burdens off of our shoulders, Lord, and allow us to worship in freedom together. Lord, may your spirit come and move in this place as only you can, freeing us from the burden of this world and giving us life anew. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. If I may also add my word of welcome, today is day one for our student and kids ministry. So that means today in worship, we've got some, some new little, little eyes and little ears that, that are joining us for the first time from our nursery. So if you have in your aisle, in front of you, in your pew, somebody who's a little extra wriggly or squirmy, you pray for them and you pray for that mom and dad. And you thank God that this is a place that welcomes young children into worship, amen? All right, so moms and dads, you're doing a great job. Hang in there. Way to go. We love you. I'm speaking to the Hufties. So, (laughs) 
We have been continuing to march through Psalm 119. So here we go, friends. This is Psalm 119, 161 to 168. Follow along as I read these great words. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. Those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and your testimonies, for all my ways are before you. I am grateful for the word of the Lord. Scripture that we've read this, this morning, or this all week, says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, everything that we have. So as we sing today, we are going to sing of our love for our great God. Let's t start with hymn 211, I Love Thee. Standing together, let's worship. Children, if you would come on down, come meet me down here on the front. We also want to welcome our TV audience today. Thank you for worshiping with us on the television. We're grateful that you are a part of our congregation, along with all of these amazing students who are coming up here. Come down the front. Come on down. It's good to see everybody. Good morning. I think we about got everybody. A few more coming down. All right, as, as few more come in, I want you 
want you to, to think with me a little bit today. We're going we're gonna to look forward a little bit. Uh, or maybe not look forward. How, how many of you have already started school this year? Have you started yet? How many of you have already started? All right, good. How many of you start school this week? You start school this week. You got, you got most of, uh, yes, yeah, so that's pretty much all of us. Now, as you go back to school, and some of you that already start may have a little bit of a head start on this. As, as you are, are getting ready to go back to your schools this week, um, what do you think, or what, what do you think are some of the rules are going to be? What are some of the rules? Right? Just, you can just say them out loud. What are, what are some of the rules? What are they? No, no talking. You raise your hand. And I'm telling you not to raise your hand, aren't I? Yeah, that's right. You, Yeah, don't take rocks out of the playground. That's right. Yeah, tell me a few more. No stealing. That's right. That's one of the commandments, too. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Go give me a couple more. What, what are some of the rules you're expecting? It, you can't wear shorts there. Yeah, you got to make sure you got the right dress code. Yeah, well, you got one more over there. What do you got? Yeah, no breaking stuff. That's right. That's always a good rule to have around, right? So we got, we've got your, 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 uh, your teachers and your schools. They're going to have all kinds of rules, aren't they? What, now, so those are the ones that you're expecting. Does anybody have a favorite rule? Anybody, what, what's, your, what's your favorite rule? What is it? Cleaning up. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, what's your favorite rule? Oh, it, yeah, eat your snacks. Yeah, your favorite rule. Forgot that one, yeah, I know. Sometimes I forget my favorite rules too. One, one more, what's your favorite rule? Oh, go to your fun class, right? Yeah, that's always fun. We get to go to, to recess or go to lunch or those kinds of things. I want you to pay very close attention in the sermon today because Jesus told us, and in the text today, Jesus said there's two rules, right? He calls it commandments. He says there's two commandments, and I want you to listen very carefully to what those commandments are because Jesus says, these two are above all the other rules that you'll find in this world, at school or wherever. All the other rules that you'll find even in the Bible. He says, these are the two. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. And I want you to write down today what those two rules are that Jesus says. And I want you to listen. What we're going to talk about in the sermon is how we sometimes do the opposite of those rules. Okay, so listen very carefully for those in the sermon today. And I want you, when you go to school or wherever you're going to go this week, try to live those out like those are what we're called to do. Okay? Well, let's pray together and we'll go. Father, we thank you for this time together. We pray, Lord, that you would bless each of these students as they prepare for the new year. Lord, give them wisdom. Share your love with them. Protect them as only you can. And Lord, we pray that as your grace is upon them, they would grow and become great men and women of God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. Thank you all. Let's continue to sing of our love for Jesus, our love for the Lord. This, this hymn says, Joy of heaven to earth come down, and we get to know him personally. So let's sing this together. Hymn 208, Love Divine, All Loves Excelling. Stand together.
seated. Continue to worship, please.
you would, take out your listening sheet. should be in your bulletin. looks like this. As we finish up our Ten Commandments series, we finished up the Ten Commandments in Exodus last week, and this week we move to Jesus in Matthew 22. So let us stand and let's read together Matthew 22, 37 through 39. This then is the text for today. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. May God bless the reading of his word. An odd, things, uh, an odd thing happens grammatically uh, when you use two negatives. When we use two negatives in a sentence, we typically communicate the opposite of what we meant to communicate. Because the, the two negative words cancel each other out, forming a, a positive statement. So th think of it this way. It's kind of like the phrase, he didn't say nothing. So if you, you say the phrase, he didn't say nothing, what you're actually saying is that he said something. Right? It gets trickier, too, in our English language. An example saying uh, something like this, that something is not uncommon. In fact, if something is not uncommon, that means it's common. Right? We're communicating something, something differently. And you know, now, as Aaron has mentioned, we're, we're in this kind of back-to-school week. And in this back-to-school week, we'll consider uh, Pink Floyd. Well, and he who Riley sang... We don't need no education. <laughs> Which grammatically means we need some good old-fashioned education and rightly need some thought control. <laughs> See, in our schooling, we learn that these double negatives cancel each other out, both in English and in math, even mathematically, right? When you multiply two negative numbers, then you get a positive number. Two negatives make a positive. So gratefully, we have learned these kinds of things from our amazing teachers, and we have carried those mathematical grammar lessons with us. However, we may have carried them too far. You see, that very same lesson that flows unhindered from your math class to your English class does not translate well for Sunday school. See, though a negative times a negative equals a positive, two wrongs don't make a right. And when we come to this apex of Scripture, we often wrongly interpret it from the schoolhouse rather than the church. And this is what I mean. We take these two great commandments and we regenerate them in their negative form to get a positive. We make both of these negative, hoping everything's going to turn out okay. So it's like this. When you, when you read this first command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, we flip it and we think we're keeping it. Right? Instead of taking the text as is, as Jesus 
gave it to us. We change it to something like this. Well, I don't hate God. Or I haven't spoken out against God. Or I haven't hurt God. And we, 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 we hang our hat on that negative statement. You see, somewhere in our minds, we begin to think, well, that's an, that's an easier version of this commandment. This is, this is something I may be able to keep if I take this negative times the negative. But saying, I don't hate God, and saying, I love God with all my heart, are two very different things. You know, then we get to commandment number two, and we do the very same thing. We, we make the command negative. Well, I don't hate my neighbor, or I haven't hurt my neighbor, at least not in any blatant way. And, and we get legalistic here, as we often do with our faith. We say something like, well, you can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that I hate my neighbor. And if you can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that I hate my neighbor, then it must turn out okay. But saying I don't hate my neighbor is a far cry from loving your neighbor as yourself. But that's exactly what we try to pull off. We flip both of these to the negative and we hope something positive comes out. You see, in our grammatically mathematical minds, we tell God, I don't hate you. I don't hate my neighbor. And that must equal obedience. That must be right. The two negatives make the whole situation positive. But let me assure you, God does not appreciate our mathematical loopholes. In fact, these two commands must remain as stated both in order and in vocabulary. We, we take these exactly as our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ gave them. There is no altering this text. Now first, let's, let's take a look at the order because the order matters. These two commandments are clearly ranked. One is higher than the other and for good reason. You have commandment one here, commandment two here, and then nothing following. See, the greatest command in all of Scripture is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. There's absolutely nothing more important for a person to do or a person to be. In fact, if we only ever do one thing in all of this earth, this is the thing that we are to do. Love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, You can do nothing else without obedience here to this one. You know, then Jesus tells us the number two, love your neighbor as yourself. And so ranking the commandments, all the commandments of Scripture, Jesus said there are two, a clear number one, and then one that is second. See, it's important for us to, to recognize something in that order this morning. But because there's some confusion about this order. And it's important for us to remember in this place that we do not commit our lives to our neighbor. Some have become confused and think we are to commit our lives to our neighbor and commit our lives to serving our neighbor. But that is not who we are. That's not what we were called to do. We are called to commit our lives to our Lord. And we give everything unto our Lord. And it's to Him that we worship. It is to Him that we obey. We commit our lives to our God. And as we commit our lives to our God, He teaches us how to love our neighbor. In fact, he, he, he stirs something up within us so that we can love our neighbor well. But make no mistake, apart from Him, 
we are incapable. We commit our lives to God, and He shows us the way. You see, without a relationship with God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, none of the rest of it matters. You see, some of us hear these words of false teachers and, and politicians around us. They, they talk about the, the, the striving to serve your neighbor. And that is good, but only a second, only as unto the Lord. You see, it doesn't matter how good you are on your own. It doesn't matter how much good you do for your neighbor. If it is apart from the person of Jesus Christ, and if it's outside of a relationship with him, none of it is good enough. None of it will ever save you. Because in the end, our own devices will fail. Our own ways to raise up our neighbor are going to be temporal and fail under their own weight. In time, they dissipate into nothing. The only way we bring lasting, effective hope to our neighbor is through the person of Jesus Christ. It's in our relationship with him that we begin to love and we see great fruit, even in the community, even among our neighbor. So we need to understand, some people try to alter this equation to something like this. Well, I don't hate God, but I'm going to do everything I can to love my neighbor. That too, that, that equation too, you'll, you'll still come out in the red. You're, you're still at a loss. You are at a loss without Jesus Christ. If you just say, oh, I, I, I don't hate God, but, but I'm going to serve my neighbor. The order is all wrong. You are at a loss without Christ. See, the order here of these two commandments is critical. They're both valid, but one comes before the other. Now, let's get to the vocabulary because the, the wording here matters. See, we know that we do not not hate God, but we are to love God. And the same for our neighbor. And this is each one of us in our own individual way taking a step towards them. There is a call here for us. We see this first, taking a step towards God. And with Him, taking a step towards our neighbor. You see, for, for us, this means that, that our, when we love someone, it's more than just avoiding them. It's more than just ignoring them. It's more than, than doing something else. Love requires the sweat of labor. Love means that, that you're for them and looking after their affairs. This means we are for God and we are with God. We understand that our life is about stewardship of what he has given us. And the same of our neighbor, that we are love them and we are for them, that we will protect them and do what we can for them. See, love is not a passive thing. You must do something. See, lo love is not an emotion. And sometimes we think of this, this swell of emotion when we're confronted with something. But, but love is what we do by the power of the Holy Spirit. Love is how the Holy Spirit prods us forward to take steps towards our neighbor for our neighbor. See, God, God is, is clear here in his call upon his children. Take a step of obedience toward him. And so we, we fill in the sentence, God, I love you by. 
What are the proactive ways that, that we show God that, that we love Him with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind? You see, and look at that exact wording there. It's not just a call to love God with your mind, with your soul, and with your heart. Some of us try to make the case that, that if you can find somewhere God somewhere in your mind, somewhere in your heart, it must be enough. But that's not the wording, is it? What is the wording? You love God with, with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. You know, the, the one that struck me recently is, is the mind. How am I to show God love with my mind? What does that look like? And so we begin this process. How do, how do we love God with our daydreams and our hopes? How do we love God in our imagination? What am, I, what am I thinking when I lay my head down on my pillow at night? Are those thoughts a step towards God or a step towards the world? And you know, as I examine those corners of, of my mind and my heart, I find the good and I find the bad and hand it all over to God and say, Lord, you, you take it. You come, Lord, and, and heal as only you can heal. You know, interestingly, I, I didn't know this before, but, but a good nugget that I found this week is that when ancient Jewish rabbis were interpreting loving God with all of your mind, and th this is even during Jesus' day, the way they would interpret this, is they understood that all your mind to be about money. And they would ask questions like this. They would ask, what, what is your attitude about money? How, how often are you thinking about money? How are you planning on using your money? You can't love God and money. Who holds your mind longer? Are you, are you thinking more about wealth or are you thinking more about your Lord? It says a lot about how, how the, the spirit has taken hold of your mind or rather how the flesh has taken hold of your mind. And I certainly think they're onto something there as a piece of this equation. But as Jesus quotes this, it's certainly more than that. It's about the, the, the Spirit coming and taking over our entire being, moving us beyond selfishness into the, the great fruit of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit in our lives for something good. You know, the, the second commandment is entirely the same. That as you love your God, the Spirit is going to show you how to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's assumed here that, that a person looks after their own self-interests. You know, it's assumed here that, that, that a person is going to care for themselves and protect themselves. And so the call of obedience here is, is finding ways to proactively care for people that are, that are in our lives, that are in our circle. That as we go about our lives this week, there are going to be all kinds of people who intersect with us. Some that we care for, some that we don't care for as much. And all of these people who intersect our lives this week, there is a call by our God to love them deeply. Practical and proactive ways to love them deeply. And in fact, as God lays it on your heart this week, we must be obedient to love our neighbor. See, as you interact and intersect with people this week, God may lay it on your heart to love them in very specific, proactive ways. And as He does, we're going to commit to be obedient to those kinds of things. Sometimes they're small, like a cold glass of water. 
mowing the yard next door. A small step towards your neighbor can mean everything. And in fact, there, there may be no greater witness, there may be no better way to introduce them to the Lord our God than by those small moments of love. And so this week, as we love our God, we need to be on our knees, asking our God what to do for our neighbor. God, show me in your wisdom how I'm to care for the people around me. And you know what that does? As we get on our knees and and ask God to, to, to help us, give us wisdom, how are we to fulfill this commandment? How are we to love our neighbor and love them well? And as you're on your knees praying about it, it sets the rank right. Because God comes first. And it's only in His authority and His power that this happens. And so as we are on our knees, we recognize His Lordship, we hear His voice, and we are obedient to exactly what He calls us to do this week. And so as we set the rank right, we get our orders from the Lord, and we will commit to love our neighbor exactly as He has called us to do. You see, we have to, we have to change that, that old grammatical mindset. That double negative doesn't equal a positive in Scripture. We must get up and do something. This is not calling us just to to avoid our neighbor and to ignore our God. This isn't about not hating God or not hating our neighbor. This is a call to be proactive into exactly who God has called us to be. And so we we live a a double positive mindset. That we love our God, and then we love our neighbor out of that relationship. And this is how Jesus is framing these two commandments. He says, this this is all of Scripture. This This is who we are called to be. To love our God and love our neighbor. He's saying, all the rest of it's going to take care of itself. If we recognize this person of Christ in the middle of it. Because the only way that we're capable, the only way we'll ever find this way is through the person and blood of Jesus Christ. You see, he's the the pivot point in history. He is the one that that makes this work and allows allows this to be possible in our lives. And so if we will come and kneel before our Lord, be forgiven of our sin, the rest will take care of itself. These kinds of things flow out of that relationship. And so we will be, and so we will do. May we be obedient to our Lord this very week. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your call upon each one of our lives. Lord, we we pray that by your spirit we be faithful men and women of the kingdom of God, dutifully serving you exactly where you call us to serve. Lord, whatever that looks like, we will do. Wherever you call us to go, we will go. So, Lord, this morning we ask that you would increase our faith and increase our love that we may be as you have called us to be.
It's in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We're going to have a time of response now. And there's a couple of different things today as we respond. Now, first, we normally have these. There's some ways you can respond on the bottom of your listening sheet. And I pray that you will look at those and consider those. We're going to have our altar open. You come forward and pray as you need to. We need to use this altar. Uh, Brian and I will be down here. We'll, we'll be ready to accept you. If you want to talk about uh, accepting Christ or you want to pray with, with us, we're, we're here for you. And we will pray with you. We're going to sing. We're going to give. We're going to do those things cheerfully with all of our heart. But there's also a, another opportunity this morning, and Aaron's going to help us with this too. We would like to take the opportunity um, to pray for our educators. Those of you who are teachers and staff and administrators, um, we want to pray with you and for you. And so if you are a teacher or an educator, administrator, staff, um, we ask that during this prayer time as we sing that you would come forward and just allow us to pray for you. That there'll be nothing formal, but we just ask you to come either kneel or stand down at the altar and we're gonna, we're gonna come by and pray for you. And if you wanna come pray for them, you, you come do that as well. Because we're, we're in this together and we're in life together. And so as we begin this, this new season, we're going to pray that, that God will, will nurture it as only He can. And so if you need to remain seated, please feel free to do that in your response. But the rest of us, let's respond. And those who need to come to the front, please come and we will pray. So let's stand and let's respond.
Don't you want to be a part of a church that prays? I'm going to voice this prayer now before we take our offering. This is for our teachers, our educators out there. So just pray this along with me and just keep this before you all week long. Lord, grant our teachers an abundance of your wisdom. Prepare their hearts to welcome and love our loved ones. And we may, may we make sure to show them love and respect in return. They are shaping the future in one million small, yet incredibly important ways every day. We are overwhelmed with gratitude for the gift of learning they share with our children. Bless them, Lord. And may they see even just a glimpse of how their faithfulness will forever impact generations to come. Amen. You may be seated. Please continue to worship.
morning, church family, and good morning to those of you watching on uh, TV or the live stream this morning. My name is Mark Supase, and I just want to take a brief moment to talk about a fantastic resource that each of us has available to us as members of this church family. And I want to invite you to think about how that can be a resource and a blessing to you or maybe to somebody that you know uh, this coming fall. So Christianity Explored is a 10-week study and we use the Gospel of Mark as our guide and it seeks to answer three profound questions. Who is Jesus? Why did he come? And what difference does it make in my life? Uh, in, in Mark chapter 8, verse 20, Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say I am? And ultimately, that really encapsulates all three of those questions. And it's a question that each one of us, every person in this room, every person watching on television, every person on this planet has to answer for ourselves individually. Who do I, who do I say that Jesus is? Well, Christianity Explored seeks to answer that. And so maybe you know someone who would benefit, who needs to answer that question. They could be in your office, they could be in your neighborhood, in your school, or, or in your family. Uh, Christianity Explored is a tailor-made resource for you to invite them to. It's that thing that you're always thinking, I wish I could invite this person to church, but I'm not sure where. Well, Christianity Explored can be that. Or maybe um, you've taken to heart, and I hope you have, Pastor Chris's call to all of us to be a, a church that is a witnessing church. Christianity Explored is a great, place for you to come and to reacquaint yourself with, how do I lead people to know the true answers to those questions, to be a witness? Or maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you don't have that relationship with him and you feel that tug at your heart that's saying, I need to answer that question. Christianity Explored is there for you as well. So we meet on Sunday mornings at 930 we also have a Wednesday class that meets at 6.15, so you can pick whichever one is more convenient for you. It's a video-based class. It's very non-threatening. We get together, we have some discussions around the table, we watch the videos, and then we have a little more discussion after that. You can sign up today. You can register out in Unity Hall. We have a table out there. I'll be there. Uh, and it'll be there the next two or three weeks. Or uh, you can go online to fbcsa.org slash Christianity Explored. So I welcome you to prayerfully consider it, and we hope to see you this fall. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Christianity Explored is uh, a fantastic resource in this church. We hope you take advantage of that. I just have a couple things I want you to be aware of uh, in the coming uh, weeks through the end of August. Uh, one is next Friday night, we have Parenting in the Digital World. This is a time where we're going to come together, we're going to have dessert on Friday night, and we're going to talk about the struggle of raising children in a technological age. Um, we have seen all kinds of issues and questions arise from uh, having access to the internet, having phones and tablets and those kinds of things, and how can we parent well um, in this reality? And so we hope you'll come and be a part of that conversation. We think it's going to be good and fruitful. Uh, so please uh, be aware that's Friday night. Then uh, the next Tuesday, August 27th, we'll begin our Women's Tuesday Morning Bible Study. And this is a fantastic time in the life of this church where our women get together and study the Scripture verse by verse learning what our Lord says. And so this, this year, they're gonna be, this semester, this fall, they're going to be studying the book of Revelation together. And so that begins in just over a week. We hope you'll come and participate that and, and learn together uh, with our women. 
And then lastly, this, this perfect flower arrangement that's sitting in front of me is given to the glory of God and in memory of Yolanda Rodriguez uh, by her family. And so we, we thank God for her life um, and we thank God for his work. Amen. We are dismissed now to go and do the good work that God has called us to do. Let us sing. Tell it out with gladness. Stand together. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.